Thank you, choir. I think it's probably obvious to you that Steve Phillips is on vacation, and uh, didn't Keith do a great job leading us today? I'm usually amused when football season begins because every team runs onto the field with their index finger lifted high declaring, we're number one. Now their hope, their dream, their desire is that at the end of the season, they are number one. All of us have dreams, we have desires. For instance, King David had a dream. He wanted to build a temple for God. That was the dream of his heart. In fact, he said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells within tent curtains. He is saying to the prophet, It isn't right for God not to have an elaborate mansion in which to dwell. And it was the desire of his heart that he build a temple for God. When I was pastor of Oklahoma City, my dream, my desire was that I return to Texas and pastor there. You have dreams. Every person here has dreams and desires. Perhaps it is a dream of marriage. Maybe it concerns your career or, or a house, some item that you want to purchase, something. But we all have dreams and we have all experienced the disappointment when our dreams are not fulfilled. The truth is there is only going to be one team at the end of the season that can legitimately say we are number one. David never built the temple for God. I did not return to Texas and some of your dreams are not going to be fulfilled. So when God then says no to our dreams, how do we respond? Take your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning in verse number 8. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep that you should be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name like the names of the great men who are on the earth. I will also appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again, nor will the wicked afflict them any more as formerly. Even from the day that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men but my loving kindness shall not depart from him as I took it away from Saul whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. All right, let's consider our subject today. When God says no... 
he then reminds us of our past. When he says no to our dreams, he then reminds us of our past. Look there at verse number 8. Now therefore thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep, that you should be ruler over my people Israel. Now David wanted to build a temple for God. God said no, and then God said to the prophet Nathan, Nathan, remind him of my blessings in the past. You know the story of David. Samuel, the prophet, was to go to the home of Jesse and there select the next king of Israel. And as Samuel was there, Jesse would bring out his sons, and each time he brought out a son, it became clear to the prophet that this was not the one who was going to rule over Israel. And finally, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11, And Samuel said to Jesse, Are these all the children? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, and behold, he is tending the sheep. So Samuel knew that none of the other boys was going to be the future king of Israel. He said, is there not another one? Well, Jesse had not even thought highly enough of David to bring him in. He said, he's sort of the runt of the family. He's out taking care of the sheep. And Samuel said, well, why don't you bring him in? And God said, Nathan, you remind him that I chose him to be the ruler. That he went from being a shepherd to a sovereign. He said, even though he is not going to build the temple, I want you to remind him that I chose him as the ruler. He was reminded of his past. The disciples oftentimes were reminded of their past. When they looked at their lives, they were fishermen. Peter, James, and John were fishing when the Lord called them. Matthew was a tax collector sitting in the tax collector's booth when Jesus came by. Jesus called him. Matthew was hated by the people, but God called him. Folks, when God says no to you, to your desires, maybe to your dreams, remember his past. Remember your past. I, I enjoy going home, the little town where I grew up. I grew up in a small town, about five or 6,000 people. And I enjoy going back there. And the reason that I enjoy going back is that it reminds me of where I came from and who I am. When I get around those people, it is a reminder to me as to who I am and where I came from. One of my favorite stories, I remember this. I was in a meeting years ago. Evie Hill, black preacher from California, was preaching. And he told this wonderful story. As he told the story, I'm sitting out there just tears pouring down my cheeks because it touched my heart to such a degree. But Dr. Hill was preaching, and he said that one Sunday he had preached a message. He had gone home. He was tired. He told his wife, he said, baby, I'm going to go in and take a nap. Now, don't you disturb me. He said, I just dozed off, and she came in and woke me up. I said, baby, I thought I told you, don't wake me up. She said, the White House is on the phone. He said, why do you say so? <laughs> he said, so I got up, went to the phone, and they said to me, we are considering you to be the chairman of the Civil Rights Commission. Would you be interested? He said, I told them I'm going to preach a revival next week. I'll be gone. It'll give me an opportunity to think and pray. Let me think and pray about it. 
He said, so he left and went to preach the revival where he was going. He said, when I got there at the airport, I got off the plane. He said, there was a little old preacher there to pick me up. He said, the devil whispered in my ear and said, if you were the chairman, there'd be a delegation here to get you. He said, we went outside and got in his little old jalopy. And he said, the devil whispered in my ear and said, if you were the chairman, there'd be a limousine here to pick you up. He said, so I was thinking about being chairman of the Civil Rights Commission. He said, it was later in the week, about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. He said, the Lord woke me up and said, boy, what's this I hear about you wanting to be chairman? And the Lord began to remind him as to where he came from. That God had reached down and picked him out of a log cabin. He said, we didn't even have indoor plumbing. And God took me from there. And he educated me and he put me in the pulpit of the church where he pastors. And he said, I called the White House and said, I can't be chairman because God has called me for something else. Folks, when you begin to get frustrated that your dreams are not fulfilled, when you become discouraged because God seemingly has said no to you, then remember your past where God gotcha and you'll become aware that he was even with you back then as he was David you look there in verse number nine I have been with you wherever you have gone Nathan remind him that when he was a shepherd boy I was with him then that was the reason he was able to defeat Goliath because God was with him even when he was tending the sheep When the Lord called Moses and said, Moses, I I want you to be the one to deliver my people out of bondage. And Moses said, Lord, I don't know how I'm supposed to do that. I have no authority. I have no platform. How am I supposed to do that? And God said to Moses, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. When you look back in your past, do you see God back there? Oh, I do. I might not have known it at the time, but when I look to the past, I can see God's hand back there. I remember when the Lord called Linda and me to the ministry and we started out, how he provided clothes for us, how he provided food for us, how he provided everything for us. So when I become discouraged that things are not turning out the way I wanted them to turn out, I look back to the past and I see the hand of God. Even back then, when God says no, he reminds me of my past. God's no today does not mean no to the future. God said no to David, you're not going to build the temple. But then he made some incredible promises to David. You'll notice he promised him a great name there in verse number 9. He said, I will make you a great name like the names of the great men who are on the earth. What a wonderful promise to make. I will make you a great name. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 1 says, A good name is to be more desired than great riches. That was a promise that God made to David. David, no, you're not going to build a temple, but I'm going to make you a great name. That's what he said to Abraham when the Lord called Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to leave home. I want you to leave the land with which you are familiar. I want, to, want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everybody and, and go to a land that I'm going to give to you, a land where you've never been. 
and I'll make you a great name. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. That was the promise of the Lord. I'll give you a great name. Folks, God has given us a great name. He has given us a great name. When I was on vacation, I went to the Brookland Baptist Church. Dr. Jackson's dear friend of mine, he was preaching. He told the story about um, an American who was in South Korea. While he was there, he happened to meet a South Korean whose name was Smitty Lee. He said he was intrigued by the name. How did he get that name, Smitty? He said he was intrigued by it. And he thought, well, maybe he had an American father, but he didn't look like it. So he was just curious. So he went over to him and he said, let me ask you a question. He said, where did you get the name Smitty Lee? And he said, well, back during the war, he said, I was a soldier. We'd gone out to battle. There was an explosion. And he said, uh, I was hit and left for dead. He said, there was an American soldier who came by, picked me up and carried me to safety. His name was Smitty Ransom. He said, he saved my life, and I took his name. That's what Jesus did. He saved our lives, and we took his name. We are called Christian. I'll give you a great name. And then he promised rest in verse number 11. He said, I will give you rest from all your enemies. That was the promise that God is making to David. David, no... This dream is not going to be fulfilled, but I'm going to give you a great name. I'm going to give you rest. That was the same promise that he made to Israel. In Joshua 1.13, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. My friend, do you know that God has promised to give you rest as well? Jesus said in Matthew 11.28, Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. W. Vines wrote, Christ, rest is not a rest from work, but in work. Not the rest of inactivity, but of the harmonious working of all the faculties and affections of will, heart, imagination, conscience because each has found in God the ideal sphere for its satisfaction and development. Do you see what God is saying? Nathan, you tell David, no, this dream is not going to be fulfilled. I'm going to give you a great name. I'm going to give you rest and I'm going to give you a house. Look at verse number 11. The Lord will make a house for you. Isn't that interesting? David wanted to build a house for God. God said, no, I'm going to build a house for you. He promises him a descendant in verse number 12. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. So the Lord says, David, I'm going to build a house for you. And he is speaking of his descendant here in part. 
Matthew Henry said this favor was so much the greater because it was, done, it was more than God had done for Moses or Joshua or any of the judges whom he called to feed his people. God says, David, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to raise up a descendant to you and he will build a house. Look at verse 13. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. David had dreamed the temple. David had designed the temple. David gathered the materials for the temple. And God said, and your son is going to build the temple. You know, the work of God is always a partnership. It's always a collaboration. Sometimes we get to thinking that we do it alone. We never do it alone. It is a partnership. In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted Apollo's water. Folks, that's the way that it works. We all work together. And so David had the dream. He had the vision. He provided the material. But God says, but it's your son who is going to build it. And he is going to have a relationship to me, God said. Verse 14, I will be a father to him. He'll be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men. In other words, God says to David, David, you're going to have a son. He's going to build a temple. And he's going to follow in your footsteps. As godly parents, is that not the desire of your heart? If you're a godly parent, if you love the Lord, if you're committed to the Lord, is that not the desire of your heart? that my children would follow my footsteps to God. I think back oftentimes my father was a, a Christian, loved the Lord, he was a deacon. I followed in his footsteps. I'm a Christian. My son and my daughter have followed in my footsteps. They are Christians. My grandchildren are following in their footsteps. Is that not what we want? That's the promise that God made. He said, David, your, your dream over here is not going to come true. He said, but I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to raise up your son. I'm going to have a relationship with him. And he is going to follow in your footsteps. And then God promised to honor him in verse number 16. And your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. A promise of perpetuity directly, this was a reference to David and to his kingdom, but prophetically it was a reference to Jesus. Matthew Henry wrote, the establishing of his house and his throne and his kingdom forever can be applied to no other than Christ and his kingdom. When God says no, there still remains a promise for the future. Maybe the dream that you have is not going to come true. But that does not mean there is no future. Maybe the desire you have is not going to be fulfilled. But that does not mean that you have no future. God said no and David responded in humility. Look at verse number 18. Then David the king went in and sat before the Lord. And he said, who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me this far? David humbled himself in the presence of God. Ladies and gentlemen, anyone in the presence of God is humbled. 
this arrogance that we see so much within the Christian community, I can promise you the person who is arrogant is not in the presence of God. When we are in his presence, there is a humility that comes. This was a similar response that Moses had when God said that he was going to use him in Exodus 3.11. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. God, you want me to be the one to deliver your people? Who am I? Humility. Who am I? When we are in the presence of God, there is humility. David humbled himself before the Lord. We said, well, he was the king. Yes, he was the king. His house was a house of prominence, yes. But he was humble in the presence of God because he understood God knew who he was in verse number 20. And again, what more can David say to thee? For thou knowest thy servant, O Lord God. Aren't you overwhelmed sometimes with the thought that God knows you and yet he loves you? God knew David's strengths. He, he knew that he was a man of faith, that he was a man of courage. He had defeated Goliath. God knew that he was a man who loved him. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. God knew David. He knew his strengths. He knew his weaknesses. He knew about Bathsheba. He knew his strengths. He knew his weaknesses. He knew his fears. He knew all about him. That's what David is saying here is that God knows me. I mean, it's easy to be humble if they already know, right? I mean, sometimes when we get around people who don't know, we can be a rather arrogant, but when we get around people who really know us, then we become humble. That was David. He said, God knows me. And then David knew God. He knew that he was great. In verse number 22, for this reason thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, and there is no God besides thee, according to all that we have heard in our ears. So David acknowledges who God is. God knew David. David knew God. And he says, there's none like thee. We sang that a while ago. Our God is greater. There's no God like him. There's no God besides thee. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 115, their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. O Israel, trust in the Lord. So David humbles himself before God. God says, that dream is not going to be fulfilled. He humbled himself before the God. And then he accepted God's no. When we humble ourselves in the presence of God, then we are willing to accept God's no. And David embraced his will. You'll see there in verse number 25. Now, therefore, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and his house, confirm it forever and do as thou hast spoken. Matthew Henry wrote, I desire no more and I expect no less. So full is the promise and so firm. David comes to the Lord at this point. He had had that dream. He had had that passion. He had had that desire for such a long time to build a temple for God. And God says, no, David, you can't build it. And David said, the only desire in my heart is your will to be done. And he accepted the will of God. Isn't that what Mary did? 
when the angel came to Mary and said to her, you are going to have a child in Luke 138. And Mary said, behold, the bondservant of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. God, if that's what you want, that's what I want. If that's your will, that's what I want. Isn't that what Jesus did? When he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was pouring out his heart as he faced the cross. And in Luke 22, he said, Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but thine be done. Folks, we humble ourselves before God. Our desires and our dreams are not always fulfilled, but we humble ourselves before God and say, God, your will be done. Your will be done. I never got back to Texas. I'm so glad the Lord brought me to South Carolina. There is no place I would rather be. I'd rather be a Gamecock than a Longhorn. There is no... See, that wasn't my plan. My dream was something else. But when we come to the place to say, God, I want your will, then his name is magnified, which is the desire of our hearts in verse number 26. That thy name may be magnified forever by saying the Lord of hosts is God over Israel and may the house of thy servant David be established before thee. You see, David had come to the Lord's Prayer at that point. The Lord's Prayer begins, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. And then it ends, Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's what David is saying. Lord, hallowed be your name. May your name be magnified. May your name be glorified. And Lord, that is the desire of my heart. Now the conclusion, verse number 29. Now, therefore, may it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken, and with thy blessing may the house of thy servant be blessed forever. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes God says no to our desires and our dreams. And perhaps it's for jobs. You've been praying about a particular job. Maybe God has said no to that. Maybe you have someone all picked out that you're going to marry. They may not even know it yet, but you picked them out. And it might be that God says no to that. Maybe you've been praying for healing. There is some need that you have, physical need that you have. And God has said no to that. Sometimes God says no our dreams and our desires there are those times when he says no but when he does it is because he has something better when the Lord says no to your dream he has something much much better if you follow his will so my encouragement to you today is do as David did and embrace the will of God for your life not my will but thine be done. I pray that is your response today. That you commit yourself to the will of God. What is God telling you today? Perhaps you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. And my encouragement today is that you say, Lord, here am I. 
I commit myself, I submit myself to your Lordship. Could be today for some of you that the Lord is calling you into the ministry. That was not my plan. I never planned to be a preacher. I tell people I used to be normal. I never planned to do this. But I'm so glad that God called me. Maybe he's calling you. I would encourage you to say yes to the Lord. You'll never regret it. Maybe you're looking for church home. And if God puts it in your heart today, I hope that you will say today, I'll put my life with those people. And we join together to magnify his name. Not my will, but thine be done. Our Father, we come to a time of invitation and lift up this time asking, Father, for the Holy Spirit to move in our midst, to touch our hearts. Lord, help us that our response will be, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, that we'll submit ourselves to you today. I pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing a hymn of invitation, an opportunity for you to respond to the Lord. If you're here without Christ, would you commit your life to him? If you're looking for a church home, my doors are open to you. Hope you'll come. Stand with me, please. As they sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do.